Evening, everyone. For those of you who are here, it's it's a weird thing to watch. I think I'm connected, but I'm seeing everybody join and then disconnect. I guess there's an issue probably with blue jeans, wherein I think a lot of people are having a hard time connecting. Um, can some of you even hear me now? Yes, I can hear you, Father Kevin. Okay, thank you. Give us a minute to try to resolve this. Give me one minute. Was Robert able to connect? I don't believe so. At least he sent me a message to that effect. How about Jill? I think Jill's here. Jill, are you here? I'm here. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, so I guess, I guess we just go forward with those who are able to connect. Um, yeah, Jill here, you're here, you can do that. Um, Robert, I just saw you come on. Are you on, Dr. Stroop? Maybe not. Okay, Jill, do you wanna do the readings? Who should we solicit somebody else? Because Dr. Stroop was supposed to, but he can't connect. Um, I can, or if Ed wants to, he can, but um, I'm happy to do them. I, I can okay. I, I can do the reading. I'm more comfortable with the responding, but I can do the reading. Do you, do you want to switch, Jill? Do you want to, do you want to read sure. and have Ed respond? Sure, Ed, you can respond. I'll read. Thank okay. you, Jill. You're welcome. Well, we'll get going here. Sorry about the difficulties. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Bear thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, for the glory of thy holy name. Amen. 
Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who desireth not the death of a sinner, but rather that he may turn from his wickedness and live, hath given power and commandment to his ministers, to declare and pronounce to his people, being penitent, the absolution and remission of their sins. He pardoneth and absolveth all those who truly repent and unfeignedly believe his holy gospel. Wherefore, let us beseech him to grant us true repentance and his Holy Spirit, that those things may please him which we do at this present, and that the rest of our life hereafter may be pure and holy, so that at the last we may come to his eternal joy, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Amen. O Lord, open thou our lips, and our mouths to show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalm 11, page 354. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye then to my soul that she should flee as a bird unto the hill? For lo, the ungodly bend their bow, and make ready their arrows within the quiver, that they may privily shoot at them which are true to heart, true of heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's seat is in heaven. His eyes consider the poor, and his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord approveth the righteous, but the Lord, but the ungodly, and him that delighteth in wickedness, doth his soul accord. Upon the ungodly he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, storm, and tempest. This shall be their portion to drink. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance will behold the thing that is just. Help me, Lord, for there is not one godly man left, for the faithful are minished from among the children of men. They talk of vanity, every one with his neighbor. They do but flatter with their lips, and disassemble in their double heart. The Lord shall root out all deceitful lips, and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Which hath said, with our tongue will we prevail. We are they that ought to speak. Who is Lord over us? Now for the comfortless trouble's sake of the needy, and because of the deep sighing of the poor. I will up, saith the Lord, and will help every one from him that swelleth against him, and will set him at rest. The words of the Lord are pure words, even as the silver which from the earth is tried and purified seven times in the fire. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from his, this generation forever. In godly walk on every side, when they are exalted, the children of men are put to rebuke. 
Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the eighth chapter of the book of the prophet Amos. Thus the Lord God showed me, behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what do you see? So I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, the end has come upon my people Israel. I will not pass by them any more, and the songs of the temple shall be wailing in that day, says the Lord God. Many dead bodies everywhere, they shall be thrown out in silence. Hear this, you who swallow up the needy and make the poor of the land fail, saying, When will the new moon be passed that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath that we may trade wheat? Making the ephah small and the shekel large, falsifying the scales by deceit, that we may buy the poor for silver, and the needy for a pair of sandals, even sell the bad wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their works. Shall the land not tremble for this, and everyone mourn who dwells in it? All of it shall swell like the river, heave and subside like the river of Egypt. And it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord God, that I will make the sun go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning, and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on every waist, and baldness on every head. I will make it like mourning for an only son, and its end like a bitter day. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. In that day, the fair virgins and strong young men shall faint from thirst. Those who swear by the sin of Samaria, who say, As your God lives, O Dan, and by, as the way of Beersheba lives, they shall fall and never rise again. Here ends the first lesson. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath magnified me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on them that fear him throughout all generations. He hath showed... Sorry... He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seat, and hath exalted the humble and meek. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He, remembering his mercy, hath hope in his servant Israel, as he promised to our forefathers Abraham and his seed forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the fourth chapter of the epistle to the Galatians. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage of it, under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. 
And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. But then, indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Here endeth the second lesson. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O Lord, save the state, and mercifully hear us when we call upon thee. And do thy ministers with righteousness, and make thy chosen people joyful. O Lord, save thy people, and bless thine inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord. For it is thou, Lord, only that makest us dwell in safety. O God, make clean our hearts within us, and take not thy Holy Spirit from us. O Lord God, who seest that we put not our trust in anything that we do, mercifully grant that by thy power we may be defended against all adversity. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, May pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Light in our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy, defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, in our um, first lesson here this evening, Amos chapter 8. So we're in a series here of, between Amos chapter 7 and chapter 9 of symbolic visions, which um, are depicting the upcoming uh, day or the upcoming arrival of the day of the Lord when God judges Israel for her sins. In this vision, Amos says that God showed him a basket of summer fruit, which is the image that God uses for Israel's appointed time of judgment. He will not pass by them anymore, for their end has come. 
the idea here with this image of a basket of summer fruit is that in the same way that a crop comes to harvest or fruit comes to be right from its own natural inner development, we could say, the judgment to come upon Israel is a result of her own ripening, let's say, in her own sins. Again, the sin cited here, which is very common throughout this book, very prevalent, is Israel's mistreatment and exploitation of the poor, specifically um, those who have no means of defending themselves, nor any means of avenging themselves. Uh, Israel has cared more about making unjust profit than following after God. They have cared more about money than the word of the Lord, which in turn becomes the climax of their punishment, their ultimate punishment here, which is often what happens in our sin, and that is that God gives us exactly what we want, and it's brutal. Here, Israel has neglected the word of God. They have essentially demonstrated to God that they don't want it, so God takes it away. He takes it away from them, and for as much as they seek it, even if they run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, God says that they will not find it. And then in our second lesson, Galatians 4, so there's a couple different things you're trying to do. I like Galatians. Sometimes it's kind of hard to, I think, follow Paul's line of argumentation. Um, so there's a couple different points to be made here. So in First in verses 1 through 7, here Paul is reading the history of Israel, or he's using the image of a minor who has grown to maturity, and now this minor, now that he's grown to maturity, is ready to receive the fullness of his inheritance. So, reading this then into the story of Israel, during the Exodus, Israel was a rebellious son, who then God had to place under the guardianship of Moses and the Mosaic Law, and all of them the disciplines of the covenantal curses. But now, with the coming of Jesus, this marks the time then in which the curses and the ceremonies of the Mosaic Law are finally set aside, and now Israel can receive full inheritance as sons, full inheritance of sonship. So then in uh, verse 8, the point here is that, so they were once pagans and thus did not know the God of Israel. They were enslaved to the lifeless idols which they worshipped. I think this is interesting here that Paul uses this language of enslavement because essentially then we realize that you are a slave to what you worship and that to which you are enslaved you will also worship. And then verse 9, so Paul talks about this thing about the elements here in Greek which is a little bit confusing. But I think what Paul is doing here is he's making a connection with the religious culture of the Greek world. And so this um, reference here to elements could refer to a couple of different things. He could be thinking about basic principles of education and learning. He could be thinking about the basic physical elements of the world. He could be thinking about the heavenly bodies and the luminaries. Um, he could be thinking about the spirits that controlled the cosmic elements and were thus worshipped as gods. Um, but what Paul's doing here, this is what's interesting, is he's making a connection then with the Jews and these pagans who were enslaved to whatever these elements of the world are. So I don't think that he's what he's doing is he's saying that essentially paganism and the Jewish law are the same. That would go against a lot of what he said. But he is saying that they're the same in the sense that they're both 
a state of bondage. So in the same way that the Jews continue on in bondage to the law, that's just the same way in which pagans then are enslaved to their own religions. And then finally, you know, he kind of tops it off with this thing about, you know, maybe I labored over you in vain. Um, you observe days and feasts and years and all of that. I've actually had quite a few times people point out this verse to me as a sort of uh, polemic or argument against liturgical Christians. Um, but I think on a very basic level, it's kind of silly. Uh, I mean, we do observe days and seasons and feasts and years and all of that, but they're two completely different things in context. So Paul making a statement like this against the Jews continuing on in their Jewish liturgical practice because the appointed time for that to come to a close has now arrived in Christ. That's not the same thing as the church then later on getting together and saying, hey, you know what, it would be helpful for us to worship this way with a calendar in which we commemorate the life of Christ and are invited into a deeper relationship with him. Those are two different things entirely. So anyway, just a few thoughts on those lessons. We'll continue on now with our intercession on page 590. And take a second and call to mind those you're praying for. Accept, O Lord, our intercessions for all mankind. Let the light of thy gospel shine upon all nations. And may as many as have received it live as becomes it. Be gracious unto thy church, and grant that every member of the same in his vocation and ministry may serve thee faithfully. Bless all in authority over us, and so rule their hearts and strengthen their hands, that they may punish wickedness and vice, and maintain thy true religion and virtue. Send down thy blessings temporal and spiritual upon all our relations, friends, and neighbors. Reward all who have done us good, and pardon all those who have done or wish us evil and give them repentance and better minds. Be merciful to all who are in any trouble, and do thou, the God of pity, administer to them according to their several necessities. For his sake, who went about doing good, thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone, for those of us or those of you who were able to be with us. Hope you have a good night. Thank you.